Welcome to the Chi Alpha at UNC Chapel Hill podcast. This podcast is designed to help you grow through our three foundations, devoted disciples, deep friendships, and deliberate servants. We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. Hey, welcome to the UNC Chi Alpha podcast. My name is Seth, and today I'm joined by Joe Newell. How's it going today, Joe? It's going good, Seth. How you doing, man? Doing all right. Doing all right. We are officially in the uh, latter half of the semester right now. We've got what four or five weeks left until the semester is done. School oh, year is wrapped up. Don't don't say that. It's it's probably it's probably more trepidation for the students than it is for us. But it's uh, it's coming quick. Yeah, it's just home stretch. It is. It is. We just finished uh, having a spring break trip, and that was wonderful um you can check out our instagram and see some of those pictures that we had just uploaded from our team members and they had a really great time and um, it sounds like we might be going back there again next year yeah it sounds like they just had a fantastic experience um you know we we forget that a lot of western europe is is post-christian at this stage and so it's very much an unreached people group in a lot of ways even though it's modern and, and so forth. But man, it sounded like they had a great time. So proud of those guys, the yeah. staff and the students for sacrificing, working uh, concessions at all these ball games to raise money for their trip and, uh, and then giving up their spring break to, to go yeah. halfway around the world. That's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, today we're uh, launching into a new discussion and um, why don't you kind of give us a little bit of taste of what we're talking about today. Yeah, today we're going to, if I can just put it in the simplest terms, we're going to talk about hearing from God. And we're going to talk about it just in a really practical way. What are, in particular, five ways that, that we can hear, hear from God. Um, you know, I think as people in general, we all are in constant need of that. We need direction. We need wisdom. We need discernment. Other things we'll be talking about in the coming weeks. Today, just about how to hear from God, what are some basic fundamental ways that are tried and true, that are trustworthy? Um, and because I think that's the other side of that coin, right? Whether you're a student trying to figure out your internship and what you're going to do after graduation, uh, or it's just your average person, um, we want to be confident that what we're hearing is from God and not from ourselves right. or, or, or some other source, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the whole, like, you know, was that last night's pizza or was... Or is this God speaking to me? Hundred percent. Right yeah, that's that's the difficult part, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's exciting. I'm really looking forward to digging into it today. So let's let's just go ahead and launch right into it. How do we how do we hear from God today? You know, there's a saying that, especially in charismatic Pentecostal circles, but I think in just in evangelical circles in general, we're always looking for the new word from God when perhaps the old word is what we really need. Mm. So the First of the five things I would say about hearing from God is, is to go to the Bible, to the scriptures themselves. And even though there's the concept that a lot of the Bible was not written to us, but rather for us, it, it, I think sometimes that gets lo- what gets lost in the wash is there's a lot of practical modern application to these ancient words that are true about humans then as they are about us now. And so the first place to go to hear from God uh, in almost every capacity in every area of your life and to find application for it, I think, are the scriptures themselves. So I've got a couple of scriptures here that just illustrate the usefulness of that and how 
um, we can combine both the authority of the Scripture and the practicality of it and the application of it in our lives to hear from God. So Romans 15, 4 says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. That's really instructive. And then you combine that with 2 Timothy 3, 16, and it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Um, these speak a little bit more to the development of us in the process of understanding the Scriptures and hearing from God, which I think is the part that we often overlook, right? It's like we treat God like that cosmic vending machine, or it's like, hey, God, I put my prayers in. I requested this one thing. I, you know I need this one thing, and that's all I really want from you. Whereas, yes, He wants to answer, but in the process of answering, He wants to grow us, mature us in, you know, in all aspects of our lives especially hearing Him better. And so the authority of the Scriptures, you can't, you can't surpass that, I don't think, necessarily. Um, although I think we try a lot of times in terms of like, hey, let me go get this new word out of the ether, the neon sign moment, rather than God's like, well, I've got 66 books here laid out for you that speak to almost every human process and condition and, and decision-making that, that's out there. So why don't we go there first? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, what would you say is another another launching point? Well, the second thing I think goes kind of hand in glove with the scriptures, and that is to look to people uh, that um, uh, would be consider, considered experts, knowledgeable, or look to resources that are such. So theologians, scholars, commentaries, and then there's lots of new resources out there available to us now that, that we didn't have but people that have spent their entire lives breaking out the scriptures and humans' interactions with God, and I think that becomes really helpful in that regard um, to read those people who, who have really gotten down in the original languages and broken all of that, broken it all out so that we understand it well and therefore understand ourselves well as we go forward and try to hear from God. So there's a lot of resources. I'm just going to name a few. Uh, this is by no means exhaustive. It's only a handful, but like blueletterbible.org is a great site. Like if you want to go down and find out, all right, well, Old Testament is largely written, written in Hebrew, so what were the original? What did the original language mean? Uh, also, Greek for the New Testament's in there in the Blue Letter Bible. So you don't have to be a scholar on those things, but it's a resource that's available. Um, also, BibleProject.com's got a tremendous amount of great resources there, too, to help you understand better the Scriptures and, therefore, your life within the context of that. I also like, it's, it's a conservative site, but I also like EnduringWord.com because what they do is they take the Scriptures, the entire Bible, they'll break them out line by line and then bring in four or five, half a dozen different commentaries on those Scriptures and break them out in better understanding and application as well. Another great uh, resource there. And then uh, BibleGateway.com, which I like because you're, you're able to take multiple translations or even just one single verse and lay them all out side by side. And that way you get the fullest understanding of, of what's going on there. So just leaning into those that have done all the heavy lifting for us and matching that with the scriptures. And when you do that, then understanding becomes more full, decision-making becomes more clear because your knowledge is greater, but you didn't have to generate all that on your own. Yeah, do you recommend looking at a variety of scholars versus one or two? 
I think so. I mean, I think all of us will find one or two that we naturally gravitate towards. Like, I just, this, I understand this person better, mm-hmm. especially the older you get, right? You go back century upon century, and sometimes the language even is difficult to get the full gist of what's going on. Um, and sometimes interpretations honestly will change, obviously, over time as well. But I, I think generally, you're not just going to like, hey, I got to sample eight different resources or people all the time. And some are better at certain areas of Scripture, too. That's the other thing. You might find someone that's really good at the New Testament, but, but hasn't spent as much time on the Old Testament, mm-hmm. let's say, uh, or vice versa. And so you may like, I'm going to this site or this person's uh, interpretation for the Old Testament, and I'd rather go to these people for the New Testament kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. great. Uh, scholars and commentary this is a great, great resource. What would you say is another resource to look at? Well, the third one I, I think is is I love, and I think is maybe potentially these days the most underused, right, in hearing from God, and that's actually advisors and counselors. And I'm not talking necessarily just about people that hold those types of titles let's say, um, but it certainly could be people like pastors and elders in a church. It could be also family members that, that love Jesus or, or mentors just in the general sense, whether they be in a local church or your neighborhood or somebody you work with. Um, the great thing about that is you're largely, ta- you can tap into people who are a little bit older, a little bit further along in their journey with Jesus and uh, have gone through some of these same maturation processes and trying to figure out, is this what God's saying to me? Is it not what God's saying to me? And so they give you some perspective and framework for what you're doing. The other side of that is they're usually people that know you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really critical because the decisions and the word you're trying to receive most of the times pertain directly to you and your life and your situation or your opportunities before you. And so having even just one or two people that you trust in your life, that know you well, that know God well, and will give you trustworthy direction and advice and context even just for how do you make your decision. And even to kind of bounce it off of them once you do think, well, I think this, I think this is what God might be directing me into. Um, those people are... Um, really good at helping you say, well, that's really crazy, you know, mm-hmm. or no, I think you're, you're right on with that. Um, and then I think you can, that, all of that, you don't do that devoid of the scriptures themselves, right? And I think that's one step to always take is if you think you're hearing from God, whether it be through an advisor, a counselor, or the scriptures themselves, I mean, if it violates what the scriptures actually say, then you might be off base on what you're, you know, what you're hearing. So... So they're all kind of integrated and layered up, I think. What do you do when you have someone that might be, you know, that would fit in one of these categories you just mentioned, pastors or elders or family members? What do you do if someone comes up to you and says, God told me to tell you, blah, 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 blah. blah. And it's, you know, maybe there's some truth, some scriptural truth in there, but, you know, what, what do you do in that situation? Well, I mean, Proverbs fifteen twenty two says, without counsel, counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. So if you have one person saying to you, this is what the Lord says, um, I wouldn't dismiss it, but I would, I would go to others that I do trust, that, I, that, that have spoken wisely into my life previously, and again, know me well, and, and share it out with them as well to see if that resonates with them, if there's some level of agreement from... Uh, again, we're not doing this from from a perspective of just finding, oh, this is just my best friend, right? Mm-hmm. 
they need to be sharing faith in Jesus, you know, to be able to to have the same Holy Spirit in them that you have in you. And if there's if there's consistency and congruence in that, you know, hearing the same thing, and and not to be in a rush with it as well. I think if those things merge, and you take your time with it, and then it all matches up, and it's kind of a confirmation process rather than. I'm just hearing one word and I just got to hope I'm getting it right. I think that's a great way to do it. Again, matching it against Scripture. If it's something that just really goes against what Scripture advises and says, then then maybe you shouldn't, you know, receive that as your own word. Sure. Um, kind of a follow-up question to that. So, obviously when students are in undergrad and the way that our model works is we at least offer one-to-one discipleship with those students mm-hmm. um, as as people who are older and have you know walked through the college experience and dealt with some things we're able to speak into them uh, however they graduate and then they move off and they're no longer part of the at least the day-to-day chi alpha involvement so they may right. not necessarily be meeting with a staff member or a life group leader for that mentorship yeah how would you um how would you recommend um, people that have benefited from that learning experience and that mm-hmm. that relationship, how would you recommend them to go and find a mentor? Well, one thing, as you know, that we we encourage in all of our students that are graduating is to is to find a, a community, a fellowship of true of strong believers to join a church, essentially, right? Um, now, within a new, a new church or a new environment of any kind, or new connections that you're making, it takes time. And I think that's the first thing to, to grasp hold of is to say, okay, I'm new here. They're new to me. I'm new to them. It's going to take time to build relationships to the point of building trust. And I think that's something we don't do well because we're not patient enough with that process. Because it's kind, it can kind of be meandering and organic and... I have to have you over to my house a few times for dinner or, you know, go do some certain activities with you or or church related things or whatever. It just takes time to get to know one another, to to develop levels of trust that then you can, even in a new place, technically go and find, you know, someone that you trust. Again, you're not trying to hunt down 10 people. If you find one, you're doing well. If you find two or three, you're doing even better. Mm-hmm. But it's not beyond that. It's not really about the quantity. If I get five, then it just magically means sometimes too many voices can be can make it more cloudy uh, in hearing from God. But you have to be willing to invest yourself in that process a little bit more so than the college setting, right? Because right. as staff, we're the ones that typically initiate those types of contacts and offer that to our students. Um, but as you graduate, if you're a student, then you graduate, then you have to be the one that's more intentional about finding people and engaging with them mm. um, to build that out. Yeah, that's great. Um, one more question on the, on the advisors and counselors. Mm-hmm. Today, it seems like anybody can be online and st- you know, start a podcast or have a uh, Instagram account, TikTok account, and they're just they're just crushing it as what I would consider as an influencer. They right. might be like a Jesus person influencer. How would you weigh people like that versus uh, scholars, a commentary, maybe some o- older, um, wizened leaders? 
Uh, it's a good question because we consume most of our understanding and new information in particular, whether it be about the Bible or our lives, through those types of formats and mediums and people. Um, I would say the good thing about the internet, as we all are, and maybe the bad thing too, is that everything, nothing ever goes away. So meaning if I find somebody online that seems to be talking about the issues I care about or I need to make decisions about, or they seem to have wisdom or discernment, um, if they don't have a long track record already out on the internet, meaning you can't go back one year, two years, three years and see many, because they're producing tons of content, right? Mm -hmm. The first thing I would do is if, if I was weighing out an influencer that I might want to follow, which is an interesting word when you think about it, right? right. In biblical terms, in terms of it was about following Jesus. Um, I would look back for consistency through all those postings and other content before I, I was really kind of being all in on, on, a, on a person kind of giving me advice or giving me direction. And, you know, even if it's not directly, right, I'm just watching them or listening to them. Um, I would look for consistency across that, just like people that might be watching this, students that might be watching this podcast. It's like, all right, go back and listen to the other podcasts or watch the ones that are on YouTube and see if there's a track record of consistency um, there in a good way. Now, you can be consistently bad, too. Um, but um, I think when you compare that to much older commentaries or scholars or theologians, most of those um, platforms are written platforms, which um, what's good about that, I think, in consuming them is you're not consuming a personality largely, right? I'm reading a writing. Now, that's much slower. Um, you have to take an extra step for that, and it's in a much longer form, generally speaking, which is, can be good because A, it'll slow you down, right? We try to consume everything so quickly in such small sound bites that it doesn't allow for context and depth a lot of the times, or, or just the processing of it, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I get that we're not likely to sit down and read, um, you know, a theologian that wrote a 30-page paper on the book of John necessarily. Right. Uh, but I think there's advantages to that too, slowing down, quieting, the racing of our minds, so to speak, and we'll talk about that in just a second, but mm. um, to be able to hear well, whether you're reading something or you're listening to someone, uh, or in the case of the, next, the last two points here, um, praying, you know, yeah. seeking direction that way. Yeah, so scripture, uh, scholars and commentary, mm -hmm. advisors and counselors, what's, what's the next one? Well, the fourth one, I, I put it in here ahead of prayer, is the Holy Spirit. Right um, now, depending on what your denominational background might be, hearing directly from the Holy Spirit might be an area that you were never raised with, or you were told that's that's not right or that's crazy. Certainly, in more charismatic and Pentecostal circles, hearing directly from the Holy Spirit is is a more common practice. And uh, John fourteen twenty six says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, "But the Advocate, capital A." And he just said, just in case you missed it, he goes right behind that and says, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And so um, there's the sense that as we read the scriptures, the first one we did, the Holy Spirit will bring those things alive and back, back to remembrance. And I think also even just our life experiences. Sometimes when we say, I want to hear from God, it's always about the next thing, the new thing, the thing I need in the moment. Uh, 
and and it skips over like all the things that God has said to us over a long period of time. And I, so I think sometimes the Holy Spirit will remind us of the concrete things that God has said to us over our course of our whole lives. And sometimes I think, if not all the time, those are building blocks to the next thing. And if you just kind of forget them and you don't, you're not reminded of them and you're just always waiting for the next little crumb, so to speak, to consume, and go, okay, I'm good for now then you're always going to be in that, that state of being too, just always for the next thing, always for the next thing. Not that we don't need new answers and we don't need new revelations. Uh, and even back to the original one, the Scripture one, one of the key roles of the Holy Spirit is to take the existing Word of God, the Scriptures themselves, and bring them alive to us. That's why we always talk about you can read the Scriptures, um, ten, uh, same Scripture ten times, and the tenth time you might see something completely different. A lot of times that is the Holy Spirit showing you something that you didn't perhaps see previously. And, um, and I think still, even though the Bible being a library of books and being written over a period of, you know, a uh, hundred or whatever years it might be, or hundreds of years, sorry, yeah, I'm thinking more New Testament, but um, it still has a lot to say about our every day. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit plays a big part in that and making it alive and real. I also do think and have experienced that um, the Holy Spirit can speak to us directly. And that's usually on the last, last point here being prayer. It comes through that, that context where the Holy Spirit wants to um, bring clarity or revelation to something that we need to understand and know about, whether that's specific to our situation or just to our following of Jesus as a whole. Yeah, yeah. that's great. That's really good. Yeah, so... Lead us, lead us into the, the prayer part here. Yeah, I think I find this in myself in terms of I find that the age of, that we live in now is changing so rapidly and that's fed out through all our di- digital platforms, whether social media or otherwise. News cycles that have shrunk all the way down to just hour by hour almost. It, it feels like we're being one, sped up in our thought processes and our interactivities, and therefore our, our attention span is, has been reduced you know, to almost non-existent at times. At the same time, I think that's caused us to, have, to struggle with, I would just call it almost like static and noise of life, right? We're just, we're thinking about things, we're constantly wanting to, to have the next thing and be entertained by the next thing to the point that we have a hard time slowing down, clearing our minds, meditating on scriptures, or, or even go, moving into a mode of prayer that's just sheer listening rather than telling God things that we want Him to, to know about or answer real quick. And so um, prayer plays a, a pivotal role in being able to hear from God uh, because it does slow us down, puts us back in connection with the Holy Spirit, by quieting our minds, our emotions, our, uh, just ourselves in general to the point that we're not thinking about all the static and busyness of the day. We're just listening and seeking out, you know, what does God want to show me? What does God want to do in me? What does God want to say to me? Which is ultimately what we're pursuing. Um, and then I would say too, the way that kind of plays out can be when you think you might hear an answer in prayer, the first thing I would do is I go back to my advisor and counselors. Who's that one or two people or three 
that I, that I really trust with this type of information. And you could say to them at that point, okay, I was praying, was dedicating myself to a time with the Lord. I think I heard this from the Holy Spirit. Let me share it with you and see what your feedback might be. And that way, um, if it resonates with the people that you trust, then you're probably on good footing. Also, matching what you might hear in prayer to, to back to the Scriptures again. Does it, does it match well with the Scriptures? Is it consistent with the Scriptures? If it is, you're probably, again, on good footing of what you heard. If there's a red flag that pops up in either one of those processes out of your prayer time, then you might want to reconsider you know, what you think you've heard as well. So that, I think that's one way to, to, to process that. Also, I think when it comes to prayer, this might seem foreign to people, but sometimes when you're seeking an answer from God, it doesn't necessarily come in a word form or even a picture form. Sometimes I think it does happen in pictures also. The Holy Spirit will give you a picture of something. But I think also there's just sometimes a God's peace. Maybe you've got one or two or three different opportunities in front of you. Maybe grad school's right out in front of you. You're not sure which direction to go or relationship, let's say. But sometimes the Holy Spirit, through the process of prayer and quieting yourself, will give you peace about one particular thing. And the others will seem unsettled. And then you'll find out later, for whatever reasons, they kind of did, they broke down and were unraveled. Um, and so there's sometimes a peace. Sometimes there's just a knowing, too. I can't explain that either. It, it carries with it a sense that it comes from outside yourself, right? It's not something I can just think up and manufacture because I want it to be. It just came, it has a, has a sense of like an otherness about it. Mm. That's usually an indication to me that, that the Holy Spirit, through prayer, is trying to, to show you something, right? It didn't just come up because you wanted it to be there. Um, but I do think also sometimes in prayer, uh, as we quiet ourselves and we listen well and we seek God's direction, He can give us a specific word. This happened to me I, I, on more than one occasion, but I can remember one where when we used to live in Costa Rica, we would go to the Bribri tribe along the Panamanian border. So we'd hike back into the rainforest and I remember one trip, we went, we hiked back all day through the pouring rain in the rainforest, got to these stilted huts on top of a ridge, and we were laying down for the night, and I could see the, the, the fire that was lit by the family we were going to go visit the next day. They were on a, on a ridge across from us. And I was laying there praying that, praying that night, and I said, Lord, I don't, I don't know what to say to these people. What do you want me to say to these people. And that was actually one of the few moments in my life where I felt like God gave me a clear, discernible word. Mm. And it wasn't super long. He simply said, tell them I sent you to look for them. And I was part of a team. It wasn't just me going. And that was it. That was the whole thing. So we went to sleep that night. The next day we hiked over to where the, the family lived. And it was a three-way translation. So I had to say it in English. It went into Spanish. It went into Bribri and then back again. But the moment that though that sentence, tell them I sent you to look for them, went into bribery to the family, you just saw the Holy Spirit all over. Their eyes lit up, and they immediately became responsive to everything we had to say. It was as if um, they had been waiting to hear that. Mm. And, and that came through prayer, through, through the Holy Spirit saying that, but it doesn't always come in that, in that form. So it could be a peace, it could be a knowing, it could be, let me go back to my advisors with this. Um, let me go back to the scriptures and compare it. So it's not just I have to take you know, what I think I heard and just run with it out into the wild, wide open and hope it works. You know, so. Yeah, that's really good. 
One last thing I'll just say about that too, as I do, is um, but I, I journal a lot. Most time it's about all kinds of things, and, and a lot of people don't do that. But when it comes to prayer, I would maybe keep a little notebook or something that you do actually, you don't have to journal about your day's activities, but you write down your prayer requests, things that you're bringing before God. Like, God, I need an answer to this. And then, and, and make a note of it. And if time goes by and you haven't got an answer to that, revisit that prayer and pray it again. But if you do get an answer to that, then record it, put it down. And those things build up and become mile markers in your lives. And that you look, again, the Holy Spirit reminding you of things that He's done in your life previously. Uh, you won't just like push them aside and hope for the new thing and only. So Yeah, yeah that's really good and very practical uh, advice too. Anything else you would add before we wrap up? No, I think, I think it's, we just, the only thing I would say is you can't, if you're seeking an answer from the Lord, you can't do it in a hurried fashion. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I think, I think partly is because God is just as concerned about what He's doing in you as giving you that one answer that you have to have. He knows what you need. And the Bible has all kinds of verses that talk about God's care for us in those regards, whether it's shelter or food or grad school or jobs or internships or relationships. God knows exactly what we need. So uh, sometimes it's the, the struggle is just the slowdown, right? The, the waiting and the listening well. But that's key, I think. Mm, that's good. Yeah, thanks for sharing today. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, if you would like to listen to more, you can subscribe to our podcast. You can check us out on YouTube or wherever you may get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at UNC Chi Alpha, and you can check us out on the web at xa-unc.com. And we look forward to chatting with you again soon. today's message. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at www.xa-unc.com.